0: Rabbit torch podcast. They run down and chat about reality show Survivor. Survivor season forty two, episode one. I am so late in getting this podcast out. Life feels like a roller coaster, which coincidentally enough is the name of the first episode, which we'll be diving into as soon as I take care of some quick business. If you're listening to this in its podcast form, there's also a video version that can be found on Bitshoot as well as Odyssey. There will be a link in the description below. If it's not there, call the 1-800 number that may also be there. All right, Jonathan Young, let's start there because he really stood out as the three boats full of contestants raced to the shore. That fluorescent green shirt, or whatever color it was, those muscles, his good looks. The guy must be three times larger than anyone else in sight. He ran the first leg of the first competition to earn machete, flint, and pot, and his speed running through the sand was amazing. A runner fell right in front of him on his way back while he was carrying a couple of paddles, and he jumped over her so adeptly, it was astonishing. I can't wait to see this guy swim. Jonathan's 28 years old and on Taku tribe, so let's stay with this tribe for a minute, because Marianne Oketch, 23 years old, made the next strongest impression on me for her non-stop smile, of course. My cheeks hurt now just thinking about it. I could live on a thimbleful of her joy. We didn't get to see her do much physically this first episode, but no doubt she's going to be a joy to be around. On the other hand, I hope she's able to dial it down appropriately. Too much of a good thing and all. Can you imagine not sleeping or eating well for days on end and have someone that cheerful around? Mariah Sharon, Mamma Mamma okay, 47 years old, also on Taku, wore an amazing hat, sealing the fate of this tribe as the most flavorful. Mariah wasn't featured much on this episode, so she tops my intrigued by list. Let's jump over to Ika tribe for a minute, to 24-year-old Tori Meehan. Tori is the one who Jonathan so adeptly jumped over, but she was back up and on her feet in a moment and seems fairly athletic. I do wonder if she might be a little thin-skinned and defeatist, because later on in the show, when tribes are at their camps, she gets busted looking for an idol, and she doesn't seem to have the best reaction to it. All right, Vati tribe, 30-year-old Daniel Strunk ran against Jonathan and Tori. They didn't show how the decisions were made, so I don't know how Daniel ended up as one of the runners but it turned out to be a fateful decision as he got out ahead of his feet, fell, and hurt his shoulder. Later, medics were able to pop his shoulder back into place, but with such a physical game, I don't know that it's going to stay put. It really is too bad because he's such a nice guy. Later on, he seemed genuinely surprised at how much his tribe liked him, which was so endearing. I hope he manages to stay in the game. So... Lindsay Dolasiewicz, 30 years old and a total badass, ran the second leg of the race for Taku tribe. She looked balanced as she flew across the sand and into the jungle for the second set of paddles. Hot on her heels was another total badass, Drea Wheeler, 35, of Ika tribe. Drea moved across the sand like it wasn't even there, and neither she nor Lindsay seemed to be breathing very hard when they reached the second station. I don't think Hai Kyung from Vati tribe was on camera as he was running or I blinked and missed it. So I don't know how he is athletically, but he seems smart and nice. So at the second station, there was a message that read, stop, grab your paddles and race back to your tribe or agree to work together and earn an advantage in the process. Lindsay wanted to think it through. but swept along in High Andrea's zero hesitation mentality. The threesome did a six pinky pinky swear that they would work together and keep the advantage on the down low. This is crazy to think about, but before they even get to know their own tribe members, these three have a bonding secret between them. Be interesting to see how this plays out in the future. I do wish High Andrea had been open to spending just half a minute strategizing together. It would have been interesting to watch, but instead they spent their time on the cover-up story. Bowls of mud and gunk and fake blood to put on themselves and on one another to somehow explain their long absence. Lindsay was the first to recover her senses, saying, We have to go. This doesn't look good at all. And with that, she grabbed her two paddles and was gone. Lindsay's social game may be hurt by her intensity to compete, but I really like her. When the three runners reappeared, someone asked, why are they filthy? And also, oh my god, are you bleeding? Hai said a quick yeah as they all rushed to their boats. It was really funny. So jumping ahead, it was Roxroy Bailey from Ika Tribe who built a long enough and strong enough bamboo stick to retrieve a key and win camp supplies for Ika Tribe. In the background, Lydia could be heard asking, Hi, are you okay? You're really bleeding a lot. Okay, let's follow Ica tribe to their camp where Drea, Roxroy Bailey, 44 years old, and Romeo Escobar, 37, make a coalition at the water station. I guess because they are the three older players. As it turns out, Roxroy Bailey does not seem to care for the joviality of the younger players. He knows he's going to have to adapt socially, but I don't know about that. He seems so easy to agitate and to drill sergeant his way out of chaos. Zach Ortenberger, 21 years old, and Romeo make a skinny guys coalition, which is so funny to me. So now Romeo has a pact with Zach, as well as a pact with Roxroy and Drea. When Drea gets a chance, she slips away to read the advantage that she, along with High and Lindsay, earned in the whole mud and fake blood situation. So here's how that reads. Advantage. Congratulations, you have an advantage amulet, but it comes with a condition. When you decide to play your amulet, it must be played with all other amulets remaining in the game. Which means you have to work together, and there's a dangerous twist. The fewer amulets in the game, the more power they have. Three amulets have the power of an extra vote. Two amulets have the power of a steal a vote. One amulet has the full power of an idol. The last time the amulet advantage can be used in any capacity is when there are six players in the game. If you are the sole remaining holder of the amulet, consider it an idol with full power. Hai from Vati read his as well and mentions that it comes down to are you going to strike and who's going to strike first. Taku and Vati tribes are given a second chance at their beaches to earn camp supplies. They can have one person isolated from the group fill a 50 gallon drum with water or the tribe can work together to solve a puzzle, both to be done in four hours or less. For Vati, Mike Turner, 58 years old, and the biggest guy on the tribe, quickly assessed that if they went physical, he would be picked and isolated from the tribe. He, very smoothly, said the tribe should win as a tribe, instead of one person winning it for them, and who could argue with that? Turns out, nobody no ruffled feathers i think mike could be a contender strong and smart but maybe not as smart as 43 year old jenny kim the tribe revealed the puzzle to count how many triangles within a triangle sort of thing and within moments people were shouting out numbers like 11 i'm telling you it was the funniest damn thing like really So fill a 50-gallon drum of water or just count 11 triangles? (laughs) Jenny calmly said, there's no way anyone has it yet. I think they were all high on adrenaline, plus the stupidity of groups. The expressions on everyone's faces when they realized it was much more tricky was priceless. Taku tribe went with puzzle as well, but they decided to split into groups, and the three best at puzzles, Omar, Marianne, and Lindsay, worked on counting triangles while the other three started building camp. In the end, both tribes got the correct number, 51, far cry from 11, and were thrilled to get a machete, flint, and a pot. So, let's talk about coalitions at Vati camp. High and 22-year-old Lydia Meredith decided they have a connection and will work together. Lydia, interview style, let us know that she's an awkward runner, an awkward swimmer, she doesn't like the sand, and she burns easily. Should I feel bad thinking that she's going to be a lot of fun to watch? Jenny and Mike seem to be a duo, so Chanel and Daniel decide to team up. I'm not surprised that it went down this way for this tribe instead of one person being picked out as the weakest link. I really like this tribe a lot. Jackson Fox, 48 years old from Taku tribe, tells a fireside story on the first evening about trying out for survivor years ago when he was female. He said that he just wants to be open and honest about who he is and everything. Unfortunately, he wasn't quick in being forthcoming with production, telling them only a day before filming about some medication he was trying to get off of. Jeff showed up at their beach, talked with Jackson, and let him know that for his own medical safety, they couldn't let him stay. He seemed okay with that. His tribe was sad to see him go, and it was really too bad. But just like that, Jackson Fox from Houston, Texas, Was the first off the island for season 42. All right, let's jump into day two, where a boat arrived at each camp with a note. The note read, One person must get on this boat, you will return this afternoon. Mary Ann wanted to go, but tried to act like she was doing it for the tribe, which was more cute than believable. How is it that she's going to pull off all the necessary deceiving, I ask you? The Vati tribe picked straws and Jenny was sent. Ika did rock, paper, scissors, and Drea was sent from that tribe. I like all three of them, so I'm glad it turned out the way it did. So, the three players hiked to the summit while getting to know one another along the way. And this is where we find out, interview style, that... Marianne was always a weirdo growing up. Here she gets to test her limits and be an example for other weirdos. I really love when she did her parents' Kenyan accent. I could listen to that all day long. At the summit, the message read, You'll now have to separate and make a private decision before returning to camp. Short, to the point, intriguing, I like it. Risk your vote or save your vote. If all players choose protect your vote, nothing changes. If all players choose risk your vote, all players lose their vote at the next tribal council. If it is a split decision, players who choose protect your vote remain the same. Nothing risked, nothing gained. Players who choose risk your vote receive an extra vote. Drea and Marianne both decide risk-a-vote without seeming to make their decisions very strategically. Jenny was more thoughtful, wondering about what the other two would do, coming to the correct conclusion that they would both choose risk-a-vote for totally different reasons, which was spot-on, and so Jenny chose to protect her vote. Had she not done that, then all three of them would have lost a vote. Go Jenny, so smart. All right, that was pretty much it for day two, so let's get into day three and the first immunity challenge. But, before the challenge, Jeff explained that each player would be given a die that can be played at tribal council if they think that they're on the chopping block. And it will give them a 1 in 6 chance of immunity. It's called the shot in the dark. The Challenge itself was a lot. I can't imagine doing any of it at my best, let alone hungry and sleep-deprived. Anyone who's ever played Survivor in my mind is incredible. With that said, I will skip the play-by-play and just jump to the end where Taku tribe wins immunity. Vati tribe comes in second and they are also safe from tribal council. At Ika camp, Zack apologizes for being so slow at the puzzle. Roxroy, very leader-like, says we win as a team, we lose as a team. Tori tries to clear the air over her hunt for an idol, saying that she doesn't have it, so that doesn't need to factor into their vote. Tori gets Drea alone to emphasize that fact, but Drea doesn't care. She's too fired up about Roxroy, who slacked in the challenge, and she wants him gone. Meanwhile, Roxroy and 19-year-old Swathy Guel are hanging out, and Roxroy wants to know which way to vote. Swathy says Zack. Roxroy is okay with that, but he wants no buzzing around boom 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 at Tribal. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, rigid guy, boom boom buzzing happens at some point in some form or fashion. Drea, coming in hot, tells Romeo she wants Slacker Roxroy gone. Romeo's thrown by this because he, Drea, and Roxroy had a water station coalition, but Romeo is so calm, cool, and collected on the surface. Had he not been, it could have caused contention and burned bridges right before tribal. Instead, Romeo asks Drea to just hear him out, and then, much to my delight, Drea cooled down instantly and listened to him as Romeo, keeping secret his skinny boy alliance with Zack, suggested that they go for Tory right now, that they couldn't lose Roxroy's strength. Fact of the matter is, at this point, Drea's not even sure she has a vote because of her risk-a-vote hike with Marianne and Jenny, but Drea keeps that to herself. All right, tribal council. Jeff tells everyone to grab a torch, bless him, promoting my little old podcast. Continuing his generosity, he tells Zach to go ahead and say it. Zach does not hesitate, saying the phrase about fire representing life and all that. It was really sweet. Swathi made me laugh so hard when she said she would be willing to give up her pinky to not be at Tribal that night. That seemed to thrill Jeff, which freaks me out, and he got out of her that she would be willing to give up several more digits for the next handful of tribals. Tori read the situation well and sold herself on being physically strong. Zach didn't do a great job selling anything. In the voting booth, Drea found out that she did indeed earn an extra vote, which she rolled up and hid for safekeeping. The only thing that was going to save Zack was the shot in the dark, which he tried but did not get saved by. Zack received all five votes, ending the Skinny Boy alliance. He was very gracious on his way out and became the second person to exit Season 42. Way to keep the buzzing and boom, boom, boom in control, Rox Roy! And that is it for Episode 1.